Welcome to the Waffle Shop Podcast with me, Taylor James. This is the podcast that gets people waffling about their mental health, coping mechanisms, life's minor inconveniences, and the music that soundtracks it all. So join me as I open up shop and have a waffle. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale, starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Welcome to another episode of the Waffle Shop podcast. Today I'm joined by a bit of a legend. He's an author, rugby player, psychotherapist, and again, an all-round legend, Alexis Court. Welcome to the Waffle Shop. Hey there. Thank you for thank you for having me. I'm not sure if I've earned <laughs> legend yet. Maybe 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 one day. <laughs> I don't. I feel like I have to hype my guests up. <laughs> like well, to bring them in. <laughs> we can always do with a bit of hype up on a chilly, kind of gloomy morning. Exactly. That's that's what we're here for. You know, we're full of positive vibes, just to kind of get rid of the the crap. Basically, is what we're going to go with that one. So. Obviously, thank you for your time today, but I start each one of my shows with something called the Weekly Waffle, which is something, it's quite minor, but once I get it off my chest, it makes me feel better in the hope that it doesn't snowball and then trigger the bigger things. But this has been really winding me up for quite a few years now, whereas this week in particular, it's got on my nerves. And I don't know if you might be able to kind of appreciate this, but it's ticket sellers. Oh, yeah. (laughs) yeah i had the stress of trying to buy beyonce tickets three times it took me (laughs) three days three mornings (laughs) it took off me (laughs) luckily i got them i have to now travel to sunderland to go but it'll be good but the whole ticket buying process is so stressful and anxiety inducing and thrilling at the same time <laughs> but have you have you ever experienced that like trying to get tickets yeah so i'm i'm quite lucky that most of the the music artists which i like or listen to the ones who are still alive and boring <laughs> um 
are relatively niche. So actually, there's no chance of them <laughs> selling out. So it's so that's quite nice and relaxed. But the worst one I ever had was trying to get Kate Bush tickets when she did her yeah. residency a few years ago. Um, and because I have been a massive Kate Bush fan since I was genuinely tiny. Yeah. Um, I can remember um, just seeing the video to Wuthering Heights appearing on top of the Pops 2 on like the, you know, remember the TVs are massive <laughs> back in the day. And, that tells me, and I was like about <laughs> four or five and just being totally like, oh, who is this? What is this? Um, and as we're on video, you can see behind me where I have a painting of Kate Bush. Because <laughs> we're in an audio, and no one else can see that. But yeah, everyone, I'm sat here talking about my love of Kate Bush while there is a big painting of Kate Bush behind me. Um, and so when she did her tour, I was so excited to buy tickets because, and this tells you what a bit of a lame fan I am, I had been saving for years and I had a Kate Bush fund. I had a specific bank account and you know that you can name savings accounts with different yeah. things and some people do like Kate rainy Bush day fund <laughs> mortgage boiler mine was Kate Bush fund <laughs> and just any spare leftover money I had at the end of the month I would always just put away into this Kate Bush fund because I dreamed that one day she was going to perform and I didn't want the reason that I couldn't go to be money so I'd been saving for it for years <laughs> and I had an embarrassing amount of money in that and I was just like whatever it costs get a ticket and you have saved for this for about five years. So whatever is in there, you're allowed to spend. And then she announced her tour. I was like, I knew it. I knew this was going to happen. This, this is my day. Okay. I've got the money. We're fine. It doesn't matter how expensive the tickets are. And actually this tickets were really reasonable price. They were, they were only 70 quid, which yeah. considering the demand. That's cheap. Much, exactly. Exactly. Considering how much some people charge, I think it's utterly ludicrous, but that's a whole other thing. I think that pop stars are having us on there. I think we were <laughs> absolute mugs. Anyway, but not Kate Bush. She wouldn't do that to us. Never, <laughs> anyway, never. and so then the dates when um, the ticket sales were going to go on sale were announced and my stomach plummeted because that was the day that I was due to be in Marrakesh. And no. I, I took my mum to Marrakesh for Mother's Day and that was, and so I was there in the in Marrakesh on the terrible Wi-Fi in the place that we were staying, panicking, trying to buy these tickets. And I just frantically did it. But actually, you know what? The old gods smiled on me and they knew, don't worry, you're an actual fan. And they blessed me. So I didn't pay attention to where the tickets were. I just hit best available, pay, yeah, details in. Go for it. Had memorized my card number so I could put it in straight away. <laughs> um and then it was only when I got the confirmation email and then did I start breathing again and looked at the seat and was like, row A. Like, oh my God, I'm sat no. right at the front. It was amazing. Best night of my life. Do you, uh, do you know what? I was, this was such a roller coaster. I was like, please, please get those tickets. I know, exactly. I was so invested in that. That is quite the, I mean, the passion then in your voice was, <laughs> but was, was did, it, did it pay off? Was it, I imagine oh, it was an incredible Oh my night. God. When I die... Like, genuinely, I'm going to be fine with it because it means I get to watch, watch the Kate Bush um, tour again <laughs> as, as my life flashes before my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> to look forward to. I feel like genuinely hand on heart, no pressure, but this is like, this is the, been the best start <laughs> to one of my episodes <laughs> I think I've ever had. <laughs> that is brilliant. <laughs> oh, I think I've never heard of a Kate Bush fund. 
I feel like, but it sounds so severe <laughs> at the same time. Well, I, I like to plan oh. and I wasn't going to miss out. Well, it paid off. So if anything, consistency did. is key with this. Ah, <laughs> oh, well, to be fair, I feel like I'm in a bit of a high now. Um, is there <laughs> anything kind of that gets on your nerves that you'd like to get off your chest today? Oh, I'm not sure we've got time for everything that gets <laughs> on my nerves. Um, I think <laughs> my my favourite, it doesn't really bother me because there's just so much of it. And if I did engage with it, it would bother me. So I have to like breathe out, let it go. I love people slagging off social media while they're on social media. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that. Oh, wow. And... <laughs> And like, Twitter's such a toxic place, they tweeted. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, okay, have you, have you thought about not being on there? <laughs> or when people like, Love Island, oh, it's so unawful. It's terrible what it's doing. Like, have you tried not watching it? No, because I won't it. have anything to complain. I'm like, okay, cool. Own it. Own it. Again, absolutely brilliant. I I've never thought about it from that point of view because you kind of then like, yeah, I agree with you. T- Twitter's so toxic. Whilst I'm reading the tweet, <laughs> retweeting oh, yeah. the toxic. Yeah. Exactly, and it's just it's just utterly, just utterly odd, and it makes me giggle. That is brilliant. To be fair, after uh, this is after a solid start. I mean, I'm, yeah, thanks. Yeah. Solid start. So I'm getting like a six, seven out of ten. So far, so far. Okay, I mean, cool. I mean, you're already surpassed Sean Paul, who was he left the episode on with a three. Sorry, so... she used his correct name, Sean Paul. Sean, Sean Sorry, sorry. Yeah, we got <laughs> We we grew up in the nineties. So you can't just call him Sean Paul. <laughs> he hates me. The amount of puns I throw at him. And to be fair, Sophie oh, expects wow. that she will never talk to me again. <laughs> the amount of murder on the dance floor puns I throw. At I, him, like, hates I me. think that. Well, to be fair, I think that Sophie expects that is kind of like doesn't hate us but she's kind of like i'm not sure she's alive <laughs> i actually think i think she's a like a spirit which if ever more than 30 gay men appear in a room <laughs> so phyllis bexter appears with a pa system be like i hear there's been a murder on the <laughs> <laughs> absolutely adore that woman what an amazing way the pr team must be so busy <laughs> I don't even think it's our team. I think it's her. I absolutely love her for it. Like, I admire people who work hard, and she works hard. Love it. Fair play to her. Um, (laughs) But my face is hurting already from, like, smiling, laughing. Um, I want, like, obviously, we're here to have a waffle about, like, your journey and the incredible work you do. I kind of want to rewind a little bit before we kind of get to what you're, obviously, what it's led to. And talk about like your journey because you're very open when it comes to like whether it's mental health, whether it's your sexuality. Kind of, I mean, this is pretty much of an open-ended question, but like, when did that start? When you started realizing, oh, mental health is a thing. Oh, when? Uh, um... I mean, it's always been a thing, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> so... <laughs> so, I um. So I come from a family where I was very much aware of mental health and yeah. its impact from a young age. Um, and it's always a difficult one to talk about while also wanting to respect people's privacies. Yeah. Um, um, 
So someone in my family who, who well, um, well, actually, he talks about it quite openly. So, but my um, my dad has mental health issues and struggled, yeah. and so that actually played a very large role in my teens. Okay. Um, and and I struggled with my own issues in my teens, um, and then also unfortunately lost another very close family member to suicide. Um, we've had alcoholism and some drug issues in the family as well so I've always very much been alive to it and the impact both from feeling it myself um, and then also seeing the impact on others and having to look after and care for people with ongoing struggles. Which is tough like when you you know because I imagine I mean I kind of don't want to put words into your mouth but there's there's certain elements there that I really relate to like with my own journey and it becomes very difficult to talk about how you're feeling because you mm. almost feel kind of selfish in a way mm. because it's like, well, I'm not going through what that person's going through. So mm. I can't talk about what I'm going through because it's kind of, it might be minor to them, but obviously yeah. everyone, regardless of how major or minor it is, you know, your feelings are very, very valid. Yeah. And when comparative emotion shaming was yeah. what as a as a psychotherapist that's what i well, refer to it as where we <laughs> where we compare <laughs> when we compare ourselves and how we're feeling to oh but that person's got it so much worse and then we shame and judge ourselves that's when we do it internally and then this again predominantly social media driven whataboutism yeah. where actually no matter what someone's going through well, actually, what about them? Because they've got it so much worse. What about me? What about this? Yeah. Why haven't you thought about that? It's like, actually, it doesn't matter. There's a, again, there's a psychotherapeutic term and concept called phenomenology. And it's actually all about refocusing people just on their experience, how yeah. they perceive something. Because we all perceive things in entirely different ways. Do you remember the dress from all those years ago was it blue and white was it black (laughs) gray or whatever so that was a really good clear example of phenomenology some people saw it one color and that was their world and other people saw it another color then there were also other camps who saw it in in totally different ways yeah actually it doesn't matter what color it technically is because you experience it as something and we have to give ourselves that permission if it actually it doesn't matter if someone else has got it worse off, it doesn't matter if this is a quote unquote minor thing because you experience it and it's how you experience it that tells us the impact on you. And if we shame ourselves for having that experience, my God, we're shaming ourselves for being human. I think a lot of people, myself included, needed to hear that because, I mean, I, I say it quite a lot on the show about like the comparison being the thief of joy. But it's Absolutely. also from that perspective, it's very much like, well, I should not be comparing someone else's journey mm-hmm. to mine, like whether mm-hmm. a good, bad, like what in between it is, because mm-hmm. we're all on our own path. Yeah. Absolutely. Comparison is the thief of joy, but comparison can also be the thief of compassion. That's powerful. That's good. Oh, my God, you're on fire already. <laughs> Gunning for <laughs> the <what> eight. <laughs> you're on the way other way with with obviously what those kind of experiences that you've kind of 
like you've kind of mentioned how did you navigate that because obviously everyone knows how hard being a teenager is Mm. like just being a teenager is difficult but then you throw Mm. so many different themes journeys like you know the the conversation around like sexuality like it's it's all these things that kind of make it very very difficult so you throw like a mental health you know Mm. anything like on top of that How, how did you navigate that (laughs) <laughs> at the time, up until my late 20s, with very unhelpful, <laughs> unhealthy coping mechanisms. <laughs> um, I love but, the manic laugh after that. That, that really sold it to me. <laughs> um, well, you know, that, you know that meme about us being on the house and fire and be like, it's, everything's fine. That was very much me. Um, and... I don't judge my old self for doing that because it allowed me to get through. So was I particularly in touch with my feelings? No. Um, Was I particularly compassionate to myself or to others? No. Um, Was I doing particularly healthy things? Also no. Could I have actually gone a different path at that time and gone a healthier route? Also, no, because I was still going through things like and you can't. um, You can't take the roof off and change the foundations of your house in the winter when it's tipping it down and when it's snowing, you've got to wait for good weather to do structural work on your house. And I had to wait, wait for good weather to do the structural work on my house. Um, And so at the time it was just. In, in teens, it was kind of shutting off from emotions. In my early 20s, it was throwing myself into work um, and trying to achieve social markers, which would, okay, maybe if I get that, maybe if I buy that, maybe if I do that, maybe if I get that promotion, maybe if I look like that, maybe if I go there and do that, maybe then I will feel something. Um <laughs> which in a capitalist consumer society, actually, we don't want people to reflect and be at peace with themselves. We want people to buy solutions. Yep. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I was fully in that. And because that is what our society sets us up for. And I broke. I I broke. Um, None of the coping mechanisms were working anymore. Um, And I broke and I went to, I was in really brilliant therapy for three years really really um really deconstructing myself dealing with things and i had been in therapy in in the past but i i liken that more to i got an interior designer in and we painted the walls (laughs) and i and (laughs) it was good it was it made living in the space a bit more comfortable for that time but actually my house was built with dodgy foundations and it was sinking. <laughs> and I, and so the therapist I went to for three years helped me deal with the fact that my house was sinking. <laughs> yeah, this isn't going to work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and eventually, yeah, it was good. And I'm not saying that now everything's perfect. I've had, uh, so as a professional therapist, we have to have therapy, not just yeah. because of our own, stuff but also because secondhand trauma is real if we're taking um i've had two sessions this week because i knew i needed more um 
It's like, yep, I, this is a this is a two two session kind of week this week. And I also even booked myself in an extra professional supervision, which is where all therapists we've got supervisors where we take our patient caseload to yeah. a, basically a slightly older therapist who then takes that all to a slightly older <laughs> and an older and an older, and eventually you find just one grand high psychotherapist who's like a thousand years old. Um, and I had to take things. Exactly, to I can't imagine and, it. <laughs> Yeah. And I had, so I, I had a lot of stuff to take this week, but I knew what was going on because now I've got that level of self-awareness where I was like, hang on a minute. I know what's going on for me now because as a mental health professional, I think a lot of people think, well, that means you're absolutely fine. A plus for you and you never have any issues. And I'm like, no, 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 we, that would mean that we weren't human because to be human is to have these issues if we spend if anybody spends their entire life only feeling joy and only feeling happy that's that's actually called mania and there's a certain (laughs) medication we need to give you for that being human is feeling all of the different ranges of emotion the different strengths but they pass and rather than any of them one dominating and I had a wonderful, wonderful, joyous weekend. And then a couple of things hit me. Um, and I needed to work on them and talk yeah. about them. And that's how I'm able to be here laughing today because I talked about them, I processed it. But you know what? It's a very powerful position to be in. And, you know, I'm, I'm yourself, like me, like there's people probably listen to this podcast thinking or having those feelings of like, I'm not going to be able to do this. This is going wrong. This is going wrong. Mm. When all it kind of takes is that moment of kind of, well, that moment to stop, to be like, something's not quite right here. Mm. But the fact that instead of kind of letting it be and let it simmer, you challenged Mm -hmm. it. And then it's like, okay, it's like a whole new world opens up Mm. of like, Mm -hmm. whether it's possibilities and even to be fair, happiness kind of is achievable by challenging those negative the- feelings the thoughts yeah. like it all so i think yeah I, and i'm a big like advocate mm. for people needing therapy without those traumatic big massive life-changing events absolutely but also if you were to take your keys and you were to sit on them now it would feel really uncomfortable yeah. but then your brain would stop registering that discomfort and you'd still be sat on your keys and actually mental health can be a bit like that. We can feel it. We can feel really down. We can feel stressed. We can feel anxious. We can feel worried, depressed, any negative emotion. But actually, we can become so used to it that actually we forget that we're sat on the keys. And yeah. we shouldn't. Yeah, we shouldn't be sat on the keys. That was brilliant. And, yeah. <laughs> and so we, we just, um, if I were in charge, everybody, just as... You should go for a physical checkup once a year. Everybody would just go for a little, what I call a checkup from the neck up. Yeah. <laughs> just to go and sit with a professional and be like, how am I? And kind of like just wobble things mm-hmm. a bit and just check. And, and so best case scenario, you walk out there and be like, cool, I just spent an hour. I'm fine. I'm grand to carry on. Or I'm like, oh, hang on a minute. Actually, I was setting some keys. Yeah. Do you think there's an element of fear there for people? Because I'm obviously Ooh, for a yes. huge period of time. I was like, something's not wrong, but like, I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to deal with it until mm. it got to a point where I had to deal with it because I didn't mm. know what was going to happen next. 
if there is someone listening to this who has that fear, like what would yeah. like in your in your professional opinion, what would you advise them to do to get past that? What's worse, living in fear and limiting yourself from living or actually like right okay there's this monster up inside my door i'm trapped in my bedroom right now i've got to either live here in this one room or i can open the door i can face what's out there deal with it and actually live outside that's that's what i'd say like is how you are now, is that really all life is? Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all new Cerebral way an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. And actually, do you know what? I'm going to do, we can, are you up for doing a little exercise? Really physical can... exercise. No, 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 no. I was going to say, like, my no, sports little... bar's in the wash. Not a physical exercise, no. Okay. A, a psychotherapeutic exercise. Okay. Do you have a pen and paper to hand by any chance? I do. Okay, grab one. And if you are listening along at home, now is your chance to also grab a piece of paper and a pen. That's all you need. It can be any colour. A piece of paper can be any size. Ready. And sometimes I do this with my patients when they're talking about things and they're in that bit of a situation where they're just a bit stuck. So draw a straight line along the piece of paper. Just a straight line across the piece of paper. Okay. Left side. Right birth. Okay. Right side at the very end. Right there. Where along that line do you think you are? And just mark it with an X. Oh. 
I had you stopped reading then. That was a <laughs> read. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So actually, when we look at it, we're saying, no matter where you are on that line, it's actually a good reminder that, hang on a minute, if we're safe, if we imagine that we mark that X and we say we're in the first third of our life, like, my God, we've got two thirds of our life left to go. Yeah. We've got time to deal with this. Let's take our time, work on this now and get on with it. We're at 50% around there. Right. Okay. So we're now coming to the second half of our life. How do we want to set this half of our life back up? Let's reflect on everything we went through and actually set ourselves up to really make the most of that second half. If we're somewhere in that final third, my God, what are you wasting time for? Come on. Yeah. You don't have time to live in regrets. <laughs> That's why we need to make change. That's why we need to do the work of therapy no matter where we are on that line, because otherwise we can just lose our consciousness of life and the days can just slip by us and then suddenly we realise we've not actually lived. We've just existed and kind of drifted. And my God, we should all really live life. Yes. That is... Well, you took my breath away. <laughs> like, you could probably just you watch this back, like, my breath is like... <laughs> that is... In incredibly powerful and i think it's it's a huge eye-opener as the fact that yeah no no regrets like you you don't want to get to the end of that line and be like i should have done this i could have done that if i did this like i think you know from what what you're saying we're in a lot more control of our own lives than what we think we are we've just got to kind of push past that limiting belief and fear Mm -hmm and be really conscious in our life and the choices we're making, the actions we're taking. Oh, you Which again... You're, you're a nine. You're at a nine already. <laughs> <laughs> you're at a nine. Okay, okay right. Better not, better not exactly. over and muck it up now. <laughs> no, honestly, it is, it is brilliant. But kind of to steer the conversation back to you a little bit. Okay. Well, not a little bit, a lot. That's Obviously, that's why you're here. <laughs> but... With this kind of work that you're you're doing now, and obviously the the books and stuff, like, it, was there a moment when you were going through like the? I mean, obviously, I know the struggles don't necessarily stop, but you get more self aware, like as you've said. Is there a moment where you've kind of like, did you expect it to go the way it has now, being in the position where you're actually helping so many people come to terms with this kind of stuff? Um, did I expect it? I, no. So, well, so, I'm, it's it's a very difficult one because I don't, I don't logically, and even here, I I have to, we all have to fight our cultures and our upbringings and I have to fight my Irish background of like, if you say that you're helping people and you're saving loads of people, oh, check the notions on you now. Um, So that's an odd one. That's something I have to process and work through. I, I, 
How do I answer that? That stumped me a bit. I never anticipated taking this path in life. When I was younger, I considered going into psychotherapy and psychology and wondered what to do. And my mum gave me a great bit of advice, which was, nobody wants a 21-year-old therapist. Which actually sounds harsh, but also kind of fair. So I went to where and I worked in my 20s in a totally different field. And then I retrained um, in 2019 um, and been in the NHS the past couple of years. And I've learned that actually it's the reason why I was driven to write, for example, and do talks is because there is real power of working one-on-one with people yeah but as we're all aware unfortunately mental health waiting lists are just spiraling now if i could change that i would and in my own way by not voting conservative i do vote i do try and implement better mental care for everybody um by trying to talk about these things in my social life by encouraging people to have conversations i try and affect it that way but also that's one hour i can spend with one person if actually we help other people and give them tools or speak on podcasts or speak at festivals or talk on stages or write books then actually we can be helping on a bigger level and i'm not doing that work I'm giving some people some tools or asking some questions or asking them to draw a line on a piece of paper (laughs) and just consider. And that's actually how we can then get some scale going about this because we we all need, we all need support. Um, And in particular, writing Queer Up, that was funny because it came about because, so I'm a volunteer and an ambassador for a crisis line called Shout. It's Shout 85258. Yes. Yeah. So I've been with them since they launched in 2019, in fact, actually. It was one of the first on the line. Um, <laughs> and it was brilliant. But there was this point where I recognised that I needed a quite specific resource for mental health and identity support for young, curious, questioning LGBTQ plus teenagers. I did some research and I couldn't find anything that was appropriate. And I asked our clinical supervisor, like, do you know anything that I could give them <laughs> that anywhere we can point them to to answer some of these questions? And she came back to me and was like, no, I've not found anything either. Uh, so I was like, oh God, someone needs to write this book, don't they? She went, well, you write. On you, on you go. Um, <laughs> Your job. <laughs> you do. Yeah. Yes, it was. And so it was very much... A so writing Queer Up was a joint process of writing the book which I needed when I was 13 yeah. or 14 and had all these big, scary, existential questions about who I am. I Who am I? How do I feel? And where do I fit in, in the world? Um, which, when heterosexual people have those questions it's called a midlife crisis <laughs> like but for those of us who are lgbtq plus we have to have that when we're 12 13 14 and we're dealing with acne and we're dealing with schools and exams and our hormones going wild so it's particularly unfair if i don't just get a sports car but fortunately no one gives sports cars to 14 year olds anyway 
Instead, <laughs> hopefully we're giving 14-year-olds actual support and encouraging yeah. them to think about how they feel, that validation, that love, that unconditional love and support, um, which was is so powerful. And being able to provide that is a a wonderful, nourishing feeling. Yeah. You you must feel proud like with that. Yeah, I I actually I, I feel very genuinely emotional when I when I think about it or some of the the letters from people. Um the conversations I've had with people like at book festivals or at queer up reading events like that. It's just been been amazing. What I find more incredible, and I think people overlook this so much, like, it's just talking. You're sharing knowledge, like, your experience, like, something that is so simple, like, the impact it has is is phenomenal. Mm. It's, it, it, obviously, I know it's easier said than done to talk, but it's, you look at, I mean, we're both now in this kind of position, like, from the impact of talking, sharing experiences, life has somewhat got better so mm. i can't i can't shout about it enough with when it comes well, to this kind of stuff well it's all about connection human beings we are inherently social creatures who have a need for connectedness yeah and at no point in human's existence have we been as isolated and cut off as we are now yeah the numbers of people living by themselves are higher than they've ever been. Now, now, I live by myself. Living by yourself can be great. But I think that says quite a bit. Yeah. Actually, even though we are connected via social media, actually, the amount of face, real FaceTime, not digital yeah. FaceTime, which people get lower, community halls are empty. Grassroots sports and things are petering yeah. out. Kids aren't playing out in the streets in the same ways. It, our grandparents no longer live with us in the family home. They get mistreated in care homes owned by yeah. Tory donors. Um, <laughs> we have become incredibly connected. And I do firmly believe that, unfortunately, this has... We are now dealing with the sickness which was caused back in the 80s when Margaret Thatcher said there is no such thing as society. Society, connectedness, humanity is what has kept us together for thousands of years i don't and we've seen an erosion of that over the last 40 years very Mm. deliberately and people have made huge profits off that but actually it's making us sick that's powerful and it's a real kind of like again not like he's like stopping to breathe that seems like seems to be happening quite a lot in this episode I'm actually fine. But like the stuff that you're saying is so, so thought provoking and thinking like, well, actually, yeah, change does need to happen. Mm. And there are lots of different schools of thoughts within psychotherapy. I subscribe to a few in particular, and I've done a special, special training in a few existential psychotherapy, where we look at those big drivers in life of life and death. And we have to deal with those. We have to look at those. We have to face them. But also the systemic and liberation psychology and psychotherapy, which means that actually you are not the issue here. Maybe the issue here is is the system. Yeah. 
And if we look at the numbers of people who are breaking, maybe actually it's the system that is the problem. Yeah. You know, you know that phrase in in a mad world, the sanest seem the maddest. Oh my God, I think the world is absolutely ludicrous. It's yeah. on fire. It's flooding. Climate change is threatening our very existence. We have billionaires who are speeding that up by flying yeah. <laughs> to the moon. We have famous people who take 14-minute flights, like dumping the same amount of carbon as some small countries do in yeah. 14 minutes. And jobs aren't there. People's living standards are plummeting. People are physically unwell. Like, no one has got any money. We don't, not even sure if we've got any <laughs> energy. We don't even know if we've got food. We've got record numbers of people using food. So society is not working for us. Yeah. And if we place all that blame on the individual and we say, sit up a lip, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Or, or my favourite one, which a lot of corporates do, is you need to be more resilient. Yeah. Actually, at some point... Of that, though. Yeah, at some point, we need to be more like the French and we need to riot and we need yeah. to address the oh, system, here we go. the problem in the system. <laughs> and, it's, and it's really serious because actually there's, there's only so much that anybody can take. And I think collectively, out of all of us, the piss has been taken. Yeah. And we're all suffering the consequences it's of it It's a rubber band, isn't it? Like exactly. you feel like it's going to keep stretching and stretching and stretching, but at some point mm-hmm. it's going to snap. It either snaps or it breaks. And I think the powers that be are counting on the rubber band yeah. breaking. Oh, God, this is a powerful episode. You're brilliant. It's <laughs> 9.5 now. So... <laughs> This is, this is the last little bit now just to get you to okay. that 10. Okay, okay. So with all this, obviously I talk about coping mechanisms quite a lot on the show because, but well, to be fair, it is one of my coping mechanisms, having this connection and these kind of conversations, mm. which obviously I know like you write, you play rugby. There's a lot that you kind mm. of like you occupy your time with. Like what else do you kind of lean upon when things do kind of get a little bit much like how how do you kind of stop so i'm very fortunate that while it looks like i do many things all of those things provide me respite from the other yeah so i enjoy writing because it actually gives me really good reflective time and it feels nice and creative and yeah. and I actually, I don't even write on a laptop. I write on post-its and stick those post-its up on my wall and thread it together. I just drew my line on a (laughs) post-it. Yeah, because it's really physical and it's a different experience. I play rugby, like, and before anyone, like, looks as like, who's this professional rugby player that I've never heard of? Like, no, mate, I play uh, quite a comfortable amateur level now these days because I am in my (laughs) mid-thirties. I used to play more competitively. Now, it's a really enjoyable kickabout with my mates. It's routine and it's structure, which we all need, even as much as we might want to push against routine and structure. We (laughs) actually need it. It's good for our psychology. Um, And it's a wonderful hit of endorphins. It's great exercise. And above all, it's connectedness. It's a really great community, which, as I said before, on society is actually eroding 
the bonds of community between us. So those, they're there. Um, it's also, it's shown that, and not to sound vomit-inducingly worthy, um, but it's it's proven that helping others actually makes us feel better. So I volunteer with a couple of different organisations a couple of weeks ago. Um, I, I just got back from a charity that we've been volunteering with for eight years where we take young people between the age of 12 and 19 with additional and special needs. Uh, we take them on different trips throughout Incredible. the year for respite care. And then every January, we take them on a ski trip. Uh, we teach them to ski for a week. And it's absolutely hilarious. Yes. It's great fun. And it's physically exhausting, but it's the most affirming and rewarding and wonderful experience. So, so I volunteer. Again, it's about connection. It's about stepping outside of yourself doing something, helping others help yourself. Then in my own time, I really take time to be connected to my happy inner child. I, I love yeah. laughing. It sounds really basic, but I really think we should laugh easily in life. I think, I think there's a lot to be said for being silly. My friends nickname me the mischief goblin. Uh, <laughs> because I'm always up for a bit of mischief. I'm yeah. always up for, for just... Just wiggling something <laughs> and having a bit of a laugh. I think we all need to be in touch with our mischief goblin a bit. It's the simplest uh, things though, isn't it? That yeah. has the biggest impact. Absolutely. And I'm also I'm quite lucky in that my my tastes are not fancy. I don't need yeah. particularly high end things. I'm so chuffed on the on like every few weeks when and I go to Kirkstone Market in Leeds, and there's a brilliant sweet shop there. And I buy myself a bag of pick and mix. Oh, it keeps me happy for ages. In a couple of days, thinking ahead of it, thinking about what am I going to have? Which ones am I going to do? And then just eking those sweets out. Oh, I love it. Uh, little things like that. And, and laughing, music, which makes me feel good. Yeah. Books, which makes me feel, feel good. Also, uh, um, I. Don't worry about highbrow or lowbrow culture consumption. You know when people are like, oh, what's yeah, your guilty yeah, pleasure? Can't do that. Yeah. I don't have guilty pleasures. I've got pleasures. Like yeah. <laughs> and I say, so for example, it's thoroughly problematic, but for a whole number of reasons, which honestly, I don't care about. I really enjoy the real housewives of Beverly Hills. It's a load <laughs> of nonsense. It's pretty to look at, and they cry into their diamonds at the end of the day. So it's fine for me to kind of have a bit of a giggle to it. It's brilliant. It's popcorn for the mind. Yeah. Um, and then also I will say this because I, as well as a psychotherapist, I am training, I'm doing a specialist training at the moment um, in clinical psychosexual therapy. I also yeah. try and have a good sex life as well because sex lives are really powerful, transformative, wonderful Great. things, yeah. both solo sex by ourselves and also with two or more persons invited in as well because oh, wow. that's a whole other <laughs> spice of life which we should all we should all like indulge in those flavors as well, well so it's variety isn't it variety as they exactly. say it's the spice of life yeah i love that yep ted well done there we go you're there so you've mentioned a few things there, especially like with music people come on here and they say about like guilty pleasures and stuff and mm. when you say it like well, that's actually like my top played song of the year <laughs> so yeah exactly and then, we're, and then we're implying that we shouldn't be into it and we're shaming ourselves yeah. and shaming everyone else it's like if you enjoy it enjoy it <laughs> enough of that pressure in my teens 
I'm in, again, now that I'm in my 30s, I'm, I'm not yeah, my time for that, games. come on. <laughs> so, speaking on music, I always have three final questions that I ask each and every one of my guests that comes on for a waffle. The first one being, which I can't imagine with you being quite a positive person that you are, like getting on the dance floor, does there need to be a song playing? Or, and if so, what song would that be? Or are you kind of, someone phone rings and you're dancing? Um, a song which is guaranteed to make me dance that when I need energy, I will put on myself and dance to it in my house. I've even danced to it in clinic in between patients in my little <laughs> therapy room before. Um, <laughs> is Dolly Parton's Baby I'm Burning. It's oh my God. Yes. Such a great song. Listeners, if you don't know it, please just <laughs> yes. stop, li- stop listening to my <laughs> nonsense and go and listen to Dolly Parton's Baby I'm Burning. It just, it's so uplifting. It's so life affirming. Just energetic. And it just love, do you do really the gun? puts me. Do you do the gun? Of course yeah. I do. <laughs> the little lady and I. Of course you do. You've got to. <laughs> I love that. That was brilliant. Okay, on the on the flip side of that, is there a song? Obviously, you're very in touch with like your emotions now. Like you're very open when it comes to like expressing them and exploring them. Is there a song or even an album that pulls that emotion out of you or makes you cry and pretend you're in a music video when you look out the window? Oh, I, I'll pretend I'm in a music video anytime I'm given. Um... <laughs> There are there are two my two most emotional songs. Um, I'm going to go for two because you can. Yeah, um, you've earned it. You're a ten. <laughs> I, I pulled myself back from a third. <laughs> um, <laughs> one is Kate Bush on the Ivy. It's a really simple, very short song. It's only two minutes seventeen seconds, um, and it's just yeah. Oh yeah, I know it that well. well I know the exact well. time, and it's it's just. Uh, singing by herself with this really simple piano arrangement but it's haunting and it's beautiful yeah. and it's it's really really gorgeous yeah um go and listen yeah, to that people I, yeah i was gonna say yeah hey that's, bush that's under the say. ivy yeah um and i think because you can either be singing it to someone else or you can be singing it to remind yourself um i love that music does this yes and then the second song which puts me in my feels is Sarah by, officially by Fleetwood Mac, but it's actually Stevie Nicks one. Yes. And if you can, find the longer versions of it. They're out there on the Okay. And it's a gorgeous song, um, which is multi-layered, as many of Stevie Nicks' songs are, yeah. because she, she's a poet first and foremost. And so it's not like modern music where it's very literal and what they're singing about are the words. <laughs> uh, with her music and Kate Bush's music and David Bowie's music, um, it's poetic and you really have to read into it and think of analogy and sin- and what they may be talking about, which also I think allows you more room for interpretation for you Definitely. to really feel yourself in the music. Um, and... There are just some amazing lines. And I mean, I can do this entire episode just about the power of Sarah by Fleetwood Mac, but there are some amazing lines in there, um, which were, 
one for example it's just a really small back line in the chorus yeah. which is there's a heartbeat and it never really died now we know because i'm a stevie nick super fan mm-hmm. she was actually singing that about a number one child of hers and wow. i re- i sing that for two for two reasons one about lost love because actually i firmly believe that everyone i've ever loved the place in my heart is forever yeah. So actually the heartbeat which i once had for them has never died and it's also the song I mentioned earlier that I lost someone to suicide. I am, um, yeah. it's my sister Sarah. Um, it's not, not Sarah, Sarah, sorry, she's not got like, I'm going to say Sarah. So Laura, she and I really loved that song together. Right. And for me, for me, that's, um, that's, she's part of the heartbeat yeah. that never really died because she lives in me when we, and when we hear that song together and, it's a wonderful way of keeping our memory and that connection together. And there are so many wonderful things throughout it, including in the shorter version, she just sings in this fade out all I ever wanted. And then just fades out. It's like, maybe do we ever really know what we want? What we want. I don't know. And but then, if listen, then. <laughs> yeah. and then if we listen to the longer version is all I ever wanted was to know what you were dreaming. And Ooh. Which I think is beautiful again, again is it's also got the immortal lines of drowning in a sea of love, which I think is it's such a wonderful thing where I've been there before where love can feel really overwhelming and yeah. it's a wonderful, powerful emotion, but also sometimes if you don't have to take love and you don't know how to receive love, it can be overwhelming and we can drown it and we can lose ourselves in it. It's a You're phenomenal, brilliant. phenomenal this song. Is, I've got, I feel like I've got a whole playlist of songs for this. <laughs> Super. One final question, and a lot of people yeah. find this one quite uncomfortable, but mm-hmm. if there was a song that you were just going to pop in a box and never listen to it again, it's... is there a song? Now, is that because we don't like it? multiple it could be anything i mean it's it could be overplayed like i'm just not a big fan of it like this girl is on fire absolutely hate (laughs) yeah (laughs) okay really dislike it it's (laughs) shrill it's overplayed it's also really not that good (laughs) so that is in the bin well beautiful this has been an absolute Bouter of an episode like i even i've talked so much away from this even just having the conversation so i'm excited for it to be out there and for people to listen to it but you're incredible and i genuinely wish and i'm I'm not saying this to kind of make you really uncomfortable tonight i had kind of like your voice when i was like growing up and kind of the dark times and stuff like that just to know that there is tools out there there it is okay to talk and for that like i really want to thank you for because now i'm also in my 30s but like knowing that i'm on the kind of the right path by kind of exploring and like sharing and this kind of stuff like it's okay to do those things when for such a huge part of my life i felt like it was the wrong thing to do so thank you so much for that you're very welcome and i hope that you thank yourself doing that for others as well with what you're doing in the podcast because it will be having the same effect i appreciate that thank you so much for joining me for a waffle thanks for having me tasty waffle 
You've been listening to the Waffle Shop Podcast with me, Taylor James. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button and even leave a review. It means the world to me. See you soon.